We are recording. We are beginning. We have got another show to begin. I have throat tea. I have my spray. I tried to fuck around with the microphone again, and I got uh, nothing. I do have some notes. I know the world was itching for my Manchester City reaction video, but unfortunately, I was working. I did watch the game from my desk while in the middle of um while in the middle of a work video a work uh strategy meeting so uh fred i can do both you know you you do construction fucking project management while you're at your desk so you know why can't i watch a game same fucking difference okay all right okay it's time for some tea Okay, tea break over. Now I'm gonna get the uh I'm gonna get the uh sore throat spray going. I don't know why. There must be a trick to your throat not hurting whenever you talk. So I can talk all day at work and then it's fine. The second I turn on this podcast, I get um I get throat drip and within five minutes I can't I can't breathe and I can't talk. I can't do anything. It's really frustrating. But anyway, here's a little bit of the rundown of the show, so you can skip around, get mad, do whatever you want. So first thing, let's talk. We're going to talk about city in Europe, meaningless sports fandom, eating wellish, sports breakups, my old boss at Tops, Michael Bramlage, as a socialist. My pride in uh, my soft friend, uh, or jealousy, John Hanford, who I mentioned last week, doing comedy. And then uh, we'll round up with Laurent Reed's Breitbart comments, which are some of the best comedy in the whole world. So first, city in Europe, 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 Europe. So as we know, Manchester City, I have a prospective two-year ban from Europe. But not for this season. So Manchester City played Real Madrid in the Champions League in Spain. So big deal because basically it's teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern who are trying to get City kicked out because they have a a, a hold on Europe and the trophies and the system is set up with their history and their, you know, European pedigree to win. And so it was not lost on the City fans that we would have Real Madrid in Spain, a place where, you know, this is not the best version of Real Madrid. They're in a bit of a transition. But they do have Zinedine Zidane, who was their coach when they won three Champions Leagues in a row, as recent as the last, as recent as 18 months ago. So this is this team's not a joke. They're legit. And City went and played a very strange lineup. If they had lost, Pep Guardiola would have been killed, but they didn't. They played really well. They played really interestingly, and they won the game 2-1. Um, Guardiola played a really strange lineup of no Sterling and no Aguero. It's not important that they how they played and that they won. I think the political part is more interesting. The fact that City won... They now have an advantage 
going into their game in Manchester. Manchester, And it gives City an opportunity to try and move on and stick it to UEFA. Uh, City fans booed the Champions League. We have a song, uh, we're going up, we're going down. We're going up, we're going down. City's going down with a billion in the bank, a billion in the bank, a billion in the bank to the tune of uh, Yellow Submarine. So it's pretty funny. They do it. We're getting excited singing our typical city um, gallows humor. It's a very, tip, very Manchester team. Also fits with my personality. As my therapist likes to say, I have a bit of a ennui lifestyle where I see the gloom and the darkness in life. So City are a perfect team for me, and so is Northern England. This is why I've been Anglophile for so long. I just just love the darkness. Not literal darkness, but the darkness of life. So City did that. That was exciting. Uh, I got to be excited a little bit. I wanted to be able to be more excited, but it's hard. You're just kind of in the middle of work, and it's playing in the background, and I didn't get to like feel the moments of the moments of the moments, but still good. City will likely move on, but they could still lose because Real Madrid are very good. But it did make me think in the moments where I'm yelling and screaming and feeling happy and wearing sky blue like I'm a four-year-old boy, like the meaningless of sport fandom. I was talking to my my coworker Qua and coworker Curtis. We were just like, what the fuck are we doing? Why do we do this? What is the psychology of sport fandom that you you completely torture yourself? It can ruin a day. It can ruin a month. It can ruin a season. I, it's just, you know, I, listen, I'm not an intellectual. I don't play one on TV. But I, you know, I like to think of myself as someone who's relatively smart and thinks about the world in worldly ways and, like, being a sport fan is it's stupid. It, it it has no meaning or anything. Like it, it it's empty. You are giving your time, you are giving your emotional energy to this thing that you have absolutely no control over and it can emotionally devastate you or lift you. I also asked um Steve, one of the partners for Idea Pros, and he quickly, in, in the sharply Canadian way that only they can, he's like, oh, it's about the glory. I'm like, yes, it's about the glory. So you do get to bathe yourself in winning, but what if you're a fan of the team that just loses all the time? I wouldn't even know what to do. I mean, I'm a Jets fan, but it has been lying dormant for a long time. I don't think I could live or die with Jets tickets. I mean, I... I don't know who's I know we have Darnold. I know there was a I know about the butt funnel, but I don't watch a weekly jet game, but I do think that if the Jets were good, it would creep back into me, but man, I just don't I don't know why I do it. But I'll tell you, I showed I showed my coworkers the Aguero goal and they just they felt the feelings. You could see it. Like it you know, there's nothing better than that moment. So you, you're always trying to chase it. I guess you, you become a crackhead, and it, it just has those endorphins, the collectivism, the bringing it together. I know I talk about this a lot, but it's just something that, that's freaky to me and weird. 
So I, I don't know what to do with it, but I'm just going to hold on to it and still sort of ask the questions about what the fuck, what the fuck are we doing? How do I make myself feel better? And that brings me to like uh, eating well. So I'm a fat bastard. We saw in the video of my giant face a couple of weeks ago how fat I had gotten. And I had to give uh, weight the the Gandalf of I shall not pass. And for the last two, three weeks or so, I've been not eating carbs, really. I haven't had a piece of bread. Except for like a breading on a chicken nugget or something. And I, I, I feel generally better. I've cut down sugar a lot. Um, it has been helpful. I probably dropped five pounds relatively quickly. But man, is it hard, man. Shit. Especially carbs. You're like, just like, oh, bread is just, it's just everywhere. But I mean, it's not about, again, I don't like to dwell on the specifics of this individual thing. I do think it is interesting, the chemistry of all these things, how much people get so into it, how it sort of is pervasive, especially in Southern California or San Diego specifically. I mean, just like what you look like and how you eat and what you're eating and who knows the right thing and what's the right thing and keto this and Atkins that and whatever, whatever. I know Atkins is out of fav favor, but uh, hey, kids who are keto heads, it's Atkins, okay? The guy who invented it died. Um, but there's something clear about the reduction of carbohydrates that are processed, you know, flour and eating bread. I know why Europeans ate bread. They had wheat. You could get the most bang for the buck out of the original wheat, which was like very hearty and hard and grainy, not not white wheat, but real bread. And it traveled well. So you could take this grass, grind it up, use a central kitchen and bake bread so people wouldn't fucking starve. I get it, because all you had was a fucking turnip. You're lucky if you caught a boar. You could eat this brown, hard bread and survive and dip it in fucking boiled carrot juice, a.k.a. soup, and, you know, get by. But, you know, as, we're, as we don't need, we don't need uh, that kind of life anymore, uh, bread has become an addictive quality. I mean, like, you know, pasta is just so fucking good. I don't, anyway, I don't want to talk about it, but I'm just letting everybody know I'm healthy. I'm moving along. I have a, a dim-witted – well, he's not dim-witted. I have a kind-hearted uh, trainer, Sam, trying to help me, but he, he seems to be unavailable half the time. So I'll have to bother him again for that, and we'll just keep moving on to all the other things that are going on. I did have something hard to go through. I've had a sports breakup. I know. After – four years we just decided we needed to go separate ways there's just something better in around now and i'm sorry but asc san diego and the albion pros i have to break up with you i met you when i moved here and i had just had a great girlfriend in nycfc the mls soccer team and i was jones in for a lot of pro team and I was looking around San Diego. You had the Soccers. You had the Shockers. You had all these teams, but ASC San Diego was the only one I could find. 
So I went to the games at Mission Bay High School, and I rooted, and, you know, I was there at opening day with Ziggy and Kuba and Armani and Super Gene and Philip Liboro and Dallin Cutler. Those are my guys, man. I'll never forget you, but it's over now. I've got new teams. Uh, we have Landon Donovan's San Diego Loyal. One of the worst team names I've ever seen. We have the Hanging On by a Shoestring. Also such a San Diego name. 1904 FC. We played at Qualcomm last season. But now are downgraded to a high school stadium in Mid-City. So I don't know how they're going to do, but they got a cool hat and cool colors. But 1904, do you know why they're called 1904? Because... 19 is the f is is the letter S is the 19th letter and 4 the l is is the letter D. 1904 has no meaning in the city and history of San Diego. It's just SDFC. Very weird. I don't like it. It's dumb numerology. Anyway, uh but I had great moments and uh AFC San Diego, thank you. And Ziggy Kartowski, our coach moving on to coach in Guatemala and it just felt like the team was running its cycle that that happens in sports but I don't really have the desire or want to put in the effort to get to know a new team with a new coach I frankly our relationship with AFC is slowed down significantly the games aren't improving there's no new stadium there's nowhere to play it's just still in that stadium and Mission Bay High, and everyone, time I go, someone asks me if one of my kids is playing, and I'm like, no, I just come to these games, and I feel kind of stupid. So, I'm breaking up with you. I think I'm allowed. I feel bad. But I think I'm going to I'm gonna go San Diego Loyal because they are in the USL, which is a big-time league. So, you are my, you are my girl next door. ASC San Diego, but I'm not quite dating a model, but this one's pretty good. It's got a real league. It's got real players, so we'll see how it goes, and I'll never forget you. Thanks, baby. Bye. Anyway, that's my little spiel about ASC San Diego. I'm kind of out on them. They don't even have tacos anymore. So, oh, this, I'll save this part for last because it's, it's not last, but second to last. So so um, I talked last week about John Hanford, a guy I worked with at, uh, at uh, Tops. He was one of the first or second employees. He, he got hired because he was insane and used to write content every day about baseball. He had, like, a very deep love of, like, the way you love baseball when you're seven years old. Um, and he, he carried it on, and he got to work and did a lot of work, and he was very diligent, but... God, he is a Muppet, and that's fine. I mean, I am an awful person, so, you know, it's not his fault that I called him a Muppet. I just, it's just, I just call it like I see it. He reminded me of the, the Muppet movie of Phil or Gil. Hello, this is Phil. Uh, so he kind of has that vibe about him. But uh, what I do admire about him is he's had some sort of crisis at 30 or maybe he's 26 or 27. I have no idea. I don't talk to him. And he's decided to go do different things. He's taking acid. He's 
nearby in Palm Desert or Tempe or some fucking deserty weird energy place. And he's doing stand-up comedy. Now, I would not have pegged him for a stand-up comedy man. But one thing that I did notice, he was always very confident. He had like that American confidence, uh, which I don't have. And he, you know, he never crumbled under the relenting teasing that myself and Mike Salerno gave him. He was good about being like, hey, why don't you guys go fuck yourselves? You know, kind of like Spider from Goodfellas, except neither Mike or I shot him. But, you know, so I see that, you know, on his Instagram, he's doing stand-up comedy. And that's pretty impressive. It takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of uh, verve. And whether he's funny or not, I have no idea because I never think anyone's funny. But I'm impressed and inspired. So one thing that's happening for me here in San Diego is I've got like a new audience of, you know, millennial, younger people that I work with because I keep getting older. But, you know, the people I work with don't, which is strange. And um, I have a particular sense of humor. Uh, if you, oh man, I think I'm, I'm talking into the wrong side of the mic. Oh my god, the sound's gonna be terrible on this one. Uh, I've been talking into the side over here. Maybe it'll, maybe it won't be too bad. We'll see. Oh shit, that's gonna suck. I have a particular acerbic sense of humor. I talk about the worst things in life. Uh, cancer. Um, polio. Uh, World War One trench rats, uh, just you know the worst parts of humanity: Nazis, Hitler, the bad parts, not the good parts. And so you know, I just tend to throw those out there on a daily base, daily basis, and a point of reference. I, I'm not above saying that someone's saving money for the transition, and they might think inside them is a sailor moon you know that stuff happens i love racial humor not rachel humor but racial humor and so you know i get i get the line of hey you're funny you should do comedy and i hear it and then i let it go but it does it does tempt me because um it would be hard because I'm much more of a reactor. I don't have jokes. I guess I could do it. But I don't know. I don't know. Although I do feel like getting a laugh would be like I do. I could drop the mic. You know, just one time you go in. You don't know anybody. You come up with something or you start talking through something. And someone laughs. It must be the best. It must be the best. So, and I think I'd do fine with hecklers because I would just be like, oh my God, what the hell's wrong with this guy? So, uh, maybe, maybe. But, you know, the line is that it takes 20 years to get good at stand-up, which means that when I'm 65, I'm going to kill, really, like, be the best that ever was. So that's uh, <laughs> that's something. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, it is San Diego, so 
Not for nothing, San Diego. I'm probably like in the top five percentile of funny people here. You don't know this, but San Diego, not a hotbed of funny people. Nice people. Very nice. Not funny. They have it too good. Maybe there's people in TJ that are funny, but they're funny in Spanish. And so it doesn't count because maybe they don't have it so good. I bet there's a fucking guy who's tried to cross the border like 50 times and gotten caught. That's a funny motherfucker because, you know, he's been through it. But uh, otherwise, you know, or maybe there's like a, a cartel guy who really doesn't want to kill anybody, but he's funny. And he's just like, you know, I could have been a comedian, but instead I'm a murderer. See, that could have been a joke. Probably not, but, you know, tea time. So I have a, a weird a weird Twitter relationship with uh, my old boss at Tops, Michael Bramlage. One of the great uh, leaders of, of, of men. Although he did leave us in the end. You know, he did run away, but it wasn't his fault. We, you know, I understood it. But he, uh, he, he, he tweeted me that he's feeling the burn and that he feels trapped on the Upper East Side as, a, as the son of a, or the, or the lineage of a, of a Detroit union reps. But he's, you know, he's handsome. He, uh, he went to Michigan. He has an MBA. He sold companies. So unfortunately, you know, you're, you're, he's living in this uh, life that he wishes that he was, you know, uh, crossing the pricket line with, with Jimmy Hoffa. But unfortunately, you know, sorry, dude, your privilege is showing. And you just, uh, <laughs> you just, you just can't be that guy because uh, it's gone. It's gone. You, you, you have all the trappings of the best of the best. That's my throat spray again. I still, I'm going to have to go online and figure out how to talk to a mic without my throat hurting. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate. You know, I think that there is a a weird kind of branding that happens. Like it's, it's really hard to be on the side or, or hold up the mantle of, of like traditional union, like if, like if it was 1930 in this day and age because your constituents, whatever that is left of the blue collar, whatever is left of, you know, the white people from Youngstown who worked in a steel mill or those guys from, from Buffalo or going across to Pittsburgh or whatever was happening in the movie gung ho in 1985. I think that person, that union guy, that, that Michigan auto worker, he, or she should be in the Democratic Party, but has been pushed out by identity politics. There's no better way to say it. And, you know, black people, gay, LGBT, blah, 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 all you people, you may, you have every right to be represented, but the party that you also represent, you've pushed the people you need out because it, it, you, uh-oh, my cat escaped and now he's in here with the podcast. 
I didn't realize that I left my door open. And if you heard my cat, he's here. Oh, my God. Very strange. Cat, come here. Oh, Sydney, why did you leave the house? This is a weird interlude. I was about to talk about union representation and how, you know, your your blue collar, uh, traditional white working class union guy is no longer available. And poor Michael Bramlage wants that back and thinks that Bernie is the way forward. But uh, I don't think that the those people are the Bernie bros. I think it's uh, it's your skinny jeaned, low canvas, flat shoed, black van wearing uh, uh, junior designer who's now a Bernie bro who thinks that he needs to have a union so that he can have a two week vacation where he can go to Bali on his credit card. I don't think you get it. That's not the same kind of fucking work. Okay. Um, and uh, maybe it is, maybe it needs to be, but you know, I, I don't know. It is tricky. It is a tricky balance to to pay. I do think that, you know, we need, the world needs much more simple slogans and less worrying about hurting or being inclusive in terms of minorities of minorities of minorities and more about no more anxiety. Honest days work for an honest day's pay, you know? That kind of hard slogan that means something, you know. Honest day's work for an honest day's pay means a minimum wage that makes sense. Uh, Health care, no one goes bankrupt. Sorry. If you get cancer, your family doesn't go bankrupt, okay? But you have to do something. If you're going to be on the national health care system... You can't be drinking soda and you have to commit to going to the doctor once a year. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think people would do that. You just need a system that works. Anyway, so that's uh, that's my my note to Michael Bramlage. And now everyone's favorites or Mike Salerno's favorites. We go to Breitbart, the worst uh, villainous website in all of America, as I uh, take another swig of tea. And the rules of the game are that I go to the... Uh-oh. My computer has decided to stop working as well. This is not good. <laughs> my my mouse is gone. Oh, there it is. Okay. The rules of the game uh, for uh, Laurent Reed's Breitbart comments are that I go to the main page of Breitbart and try and notice the post with the most comments. Unfortunately, this thing is loading no comments. So my my game is going to be broken. Uh, Let's see if I can get... Ah, here we go. Here we go. The number one post with the most comments is House Dems block amendments to save babies who survive abortion. I'm not going to read the uh, the actual article. That's all you need to know. House Dems block amendments to save babies who survive abortion. Okay? 
Let's see what happens in the comments. This is going to be good. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, no thanks. Can't wait to read about the comments on Breitbart around abortion. Here we go. Just waiting for it to load. I know the uh, anticipation is killing you. And I see the the sign for comments. I'm just going to sort of skim them and read the best ones. There, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of leftist. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of quality stuff. Oh, Discus is taking longer than usual. Too many comments. Here we go. Oh, here we go. The first comment from eight hours ago is the leftist Dem party is now the party of death and infanticide. The blood of infants is required to sacrifice to their god, Moloch. Okay. Here's the next comment. Let's see what we got. Let's see. Oh, this one has 85 upvotes. Here we go. You ready? Democrats will do anything to open up the border and flood America with disease and crime. But God forbid a child survives a botched abortion. They have no problem murdering the infant. What kind of godless, wretched heathen would ever vote Democrat. Oh, here's one after my own heart. Joseph Goebbels would have praised the Democratic Party today. And another one, Catholic in name only, Pelosi, dot, 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 needs to be excommunicated. Uh, here's another good one. Baby-killing Democrats out Herod, Herod, whatever that means, no true Christian could ever vote for a baby-killing Democrat. Oh, someone said, Good to read Dinesh D'Souza's book, The Big Lie. Oh, here's another one. This is a lie, by the way. This is not true. Nazis were socialist communists, so of course they liked the U.S. Dems. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Most of... Oh wait, you are right. Most of the Nazi policy was taken from our Democratic Party rules. This is a, a false narrative that claims that the right claims the Nazis were left which is great because they weren't <laughs> because look who think about who sided with the Nazis, uh, the royalty, uh, Spanish fascists and the Catholic church. Okay. Suitable excommunication, traditional burn at the stake. Oh, that someone's explaining how they know about, uh, burning at the stake. Okay. Let's try and go to the next comment. See if we find anything good. Okay. Here we go. Here's a good one. Rapto man. They are more like, they, they are much more like, they are much more than the party of infanticide. They are godless, filled with hate and intolerance. They are evil here on earth. They sell baby parts, release criminals, favor illegal immigrants over American citizens. The only time they work is when they're trying to infringe on our freedoms. I could go on, but why bother? Plain and simple, liberals suck. These are good. These are good. This quality stuff here. Wait a minute. This is this is good. Here we go. You ready? We look back on history and wonder at how past cultures accepted and practiced human sacrifice. 
Welcome to the modern example. Progressive left have fully embraced the religion of intersectional progressivism and actively slaughter babies to appease their ideological gods. This lethal and corrupt cult must be stripped of any power to affect the innocent. All Dems must be voted out of office. A Democrat vote is a vote in support of crime, abuse, bigotry, and infanticide. It must stop. This is really uh this is really good that this is <laughs> Oh, here we have a good one. You ready? During the next civil war, we will have similar policy for these murderous liberal liberals that survive any battles. The order will be do you dare lift a finger to help them? Don't you dare. Oh my god. How right you are. <laughs> okay, here ready? How right you are. But keep in mind, as long as Collins and Murkowski are around, we conservatives share the shame and blame. They, along with Romney, must be purged from our ranks ASAP. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. People quoting the Bible, this is good. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Himnon, to burn their sons and daughters in fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Jeremiah seven thirty one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> this is great. <laughs> oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> it's madness. <laughs> so, this is interesting cuz it is the uh the abortion portion of the world and, you know, it's sad and nobody wants people to have abortions. That's fine. Look, I recommend you uh, go through um, the history of why it's a thing. It wasn't a thing and became a thing. Uh, it was used as a political wedge issue by the Republican Party or, you know, at some point, whatever party. Somebody would have used it eventually, and it has become part of the platform and become a thing. It was not a thing and became a thing. So really interesting Anyway, that's the show. Uh, that was Breitbart Comments. Uh, I have to get my cat out of the garage. He's blowing his mind. But uh, I'm reading Breitbart Comments, so you don't have to. All right. Bye.